Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope all of you are having a great day so far or evening or whatever time of day you're listening to the podcast. This is episode number three of this wonderful new venture, Believe in Boston Betting with your host, Shukri Wright. I'm excited to have the following guests here with me on this episode. Anik McNeil, hockey betting analyst at Vizen. You can follow him on Twitter at Digital Gambler, as well as check out um, check out the, 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 the Vizen website and, and, and subscribe. So and, and like they have like a lot of really good um, content in terms of hockey gambling bets, especially if you're a Bruins fan and, and along the likes and so forth. But the more seasoned pro at this is here with me today, Andy McNeil. Thank you for having me on the podcast and joining me on the podcast, rather. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Shukri. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on here. And congratulations on the on the new gig, man. I'm, I'm sure it's going to go great. I appreciate that. Thank you uh, immensely so, so much. Let's start with last night's game. <laughs> what, what a wild, wild west shootout it was in Ottawa against the Senators uh, in which the Bruins fall 7-5. to five. What are your initial thoughts on the game and as well as what went wrong for the Bruins after they were able to come back from the three-goal deficit? Well, you know, first of all, full transparency here, I made a terrible bet on the Boston Bruins uh, <laughs> in their game against the, the Ottawa Senators. And How bad not was it? Not necessarily because they lost, but um, because I didn't do a good job of, of reading the betting market like I, I typically do. Um, I, I bet the Bruins around even money, meaning you bet a dollar or you, you win a dollar for every dollar that you bet. Uh, and uh, they, they actually moved the other way. So you could have got a much uh, more attractive price later on in the day. Uh, and I guess for good reason, right? The market was, was, uh, was, was pretty right on that one. Um, you know, that oftentimes you hear the public this and the public that, and they don't know anything about betting. But I think it's uh, important to kind of understand how the markets work and just how important maybe the wisdom of the crowd is. And uh, last night I was, I was against it and mm. uh, it looked like I, 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 uh, I made the wrong choice. Boston um, looked really slow from the start. Uh, they may have stayed out late celebrating Jake DeBrus' birthday the night before. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> they sure looked like it. Anyways, they looked really slow. They certainly didn't look as good as they, they looked in their, uh, in their first three games um, where the, the offense was, you know, early and often, uh, it took a little while for them to get going last night. I think what kind of Bruins fans can probably take away from the game against the Senators is that they were on the back-to-back. Uh, it is early in the season, and sometimes those back-to-back situations uh, are a little tougher uh, before you've got, you know, reacclimated to the, the rigors of the NHL schedule, right? And I think that really caught the Bruins uh, a little bit off guard. So, um the season I think they'll clean those areas up I think they'll perform a lot better in in those situations when they are tired they they should uh fairly well I think given that they have two competent goaltenders or at least they should have two competent goaltenders Linus Allmark was fantastic against the Florida Panthers um you know the night before they played Ottawa but uh Swayman uh you know he needs to pick it up after last season in which he kind of probably fell out of favor, I guess, with the team. Allmark was probably the better goaltender in the latter half of the season. So, um, you know, there's a lot to, to, to take away from the game against the Senators, but I think it was a tough spot. And uh, as the season goes on, I think the Bruins will, will, you know, carry themselves a little better in those situations. 
like, why did you think that you made a terrible bet in terms of the game against um, against the Senators last night? Because going into it, I was actually feeling pretty good um, in terms of just the overall optics. You know, this is a team that has been rolling through, through the first three games and that um, that they've, they've gotten um, scoring contribution up and down the lineup from all four lines. Why did you think that it was such a bad bet that you made last night? Well, you know, this is a, a little bit of betting one-on-one, I guess, at the, sure. the same time. Uh, or I shouldn't say it's one-on-one. It's a little bit more advanced than, than betting one-on-one. But um, it was, it, 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 like I said, it had nothing to do with the fact that the Bruins lost. It had everything to do with that. I could have gotten better odds on the bet that I made later on in the day. I was eager. I felt pretty good about the Bruins, too. I thought the market would agree with me. I thought that, hey, you know, I, I've got this game figured out here and and the, the rest of the you know, betting world is going to agree with me and they're going to think the brooms are the better bet here as well. But, um, you know, some people with enough money to, to move the odds around thought differently and they bet the senators. So, you know, I don't mind going against that kind of, you know, that, that movement in the market where the odds really shift uh, in the other direction, but I'd like to be on the other side of it where I'm actually getting the good odds, not, betting the game and then seeing the odds move against me in the, in the wrong direction, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, and I, I totally get that. And as the Bruins have their, their <coughs> off day on the day of the recording, they have their next game coming up next against Anaheim in which that I am really curious as, as I look at the, the current odds right now, the Bruins right now, the uh, puck, puck line is a, is a minus one and a half. What does that mean exactly for, for like the, the novice better that's getting into hockey betting for the first time? Would that be a good thing, a good bet to make if, if you're a Bruins fan on, on the game, considering that the un, they are at the under six and a half right now at plus 105? Um, okay, so what that means, I mean, in, the reason the, the, the point spread in football was created was to – kind of percent uh, present betters with a, a 50-50 proposition because if you've got the best team in the league playing the worst team in the league, uh, the odds are going to be lopsided. So they, mm. they had to install that handicap, you know, to say 14 and a half points. Uh, you know, if they can stay within that margin, then, you, you know, it's a 50-50 bet kind of. Um, they've got the same sort of thing in hockey, but it's the the puck line, or but it's still, you know, the, the same – same idea as the point spread, except it doesn't drift away from minus one and a half. You can find alternate lines of two and a half and three and a half and, and whatever. But um, it just means that the, the favorite, the team with the minus in front of their, their one and a half has to cover the game by, by two goals at least. So they've got to win by two or more. Uh, and the other team, the, the, the team that's uh, the underdog, um, they'll only have, they can, they can still cover a puck line bet. Um, if they lose the game, but they can't lose by more than one goal. You've got to stay within that 0.5 right under that uh, if you're on the plus side. So um, they are sometimes good bets. Uh, I would say that um, a lot of people look at them in, in probably the wrong way. They, they see the Bruins like Boston is a relatively sizable favorite, I guess you would say, on uh, uh, in their next game versus Anaheim. But um, – that might make some Bruins fans, necess- you know, feel a little bit uncomfortable when it comes to betting them. They might not want to lay that, you know, minus 185 or minus 190 or whatever's floating around out there on a money line bet so that they have to bet a dollar 90 just to win a dollar 
uh, for the Bruins to win the game. And that might not be very appealing to them. So they'll look and say, oh, well, if I bet the Bruins to win by at least two goals, I've only got to bet a dollar fifteen to win a dollar, and that's a lot more attractive. But I'd say stuff like that. You really only bet the puck line when you, you're a novice better and you're and you're and you're you know, kind of just starting out. You should really only bet the puck line when you really love a team. It's actually in the games when you know you're looking and and saying, you know what, I, I, the Bruins are they're playing the 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 Penguins tonight. They've lost a couple in a row. I really think they're going to, I'm just making this up as I go. Along, sure. obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, I really think they're going to bounce back tonight and get a win. Um, you know, maybe it's a, a close game uh, as far as the odds are concerned. And the puck line in those situations might pay somewhere around two to one. Uh, so, you know, don't, don't necessarily stick your nose up at those longer shot puck line bets, uh, which I think a lot of people do and they opt to take it. Oh, Boston's a big favorite on the money line tonight. I'm going to take them on the puck line instead. And that doesn't always work out. In fact, they lost both of their games versus Anaheim last season. So, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people took that strategy when the, when they faced off against the ducks in 2021, 22, and it, it didn't work out. It's interesting on how you are able to like go back to last season and use that as an example, how they, like, how basically like, like new betters and those that are new to like sports betting, use those examples from the two games in which the Bruins uh, faced off against the Ducks from last season in terms of making a, 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 I guess, the best educated decision possible based on the information that they know. Now, from from, from betting to just, to just the overall X's and O's of the Boston Bruins to start the 2022-2023 season, one of the things that stood out to me so far is is the check line. That second line for the Bruins has really been a story because none of us truly knew what we were going to realistically get from David Krejci, who came back to the States to play in the NHL after spending a year playing in the Czech Republic. What has stood out to you so far in terms of what are some of the early season impressions on what the Bruins have been able to do so far? Well, it's, it's funny, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a Bruins fan uh, and always have been. Um, and uh, obviously, Krejci was was great, uh, specifically in the 2011 Stanley Cup run. He led oh, yeah. even points, as you know, um, and uh, I'm sure everybody else listening knows as well. But I don't think I'm the only Bruins fan that like wanted him. <laughs> for for, for <laughs> you know, several, several years, it was just kind of like, I, I mean. I mean, it's easy for me to sit on my couch or in my recliner and, and judge an NHL player and, and critique his abilities. But he was, I always knew that he was a good player. But it just seemed those last, you know, after that Stanley Cup run and, and sometimes it just seemed like he wasn't really as much or up to the task as much as some of the other guys, like, you know, Dries uh, Bergeron, Brad Marchand, et cetera, right? And I, I thought he was sort of overpaid. But the second that he left, I wanted him back. And now that he's back and he's playing the way he is, I'm, I'm super happy that, that Krejci's back and is a member of the Boston Bruins again. I love the, the look of the check line. I hope that they can continue to, um, you know, play the way they have uh, when the Bruins are back at full strength, when Marchant and McAvoy come back and whatnot. Um, it would be really great to be able to, you know, run not only two lines, but, but three lines steady and have some offensive punch on all of those lines. Uh, with a guy like Taylor Hall, maybe down on the third line, right? I don't know. Um, uh, 
it's it's interesting. But I think the thing that's most intriguing to me about the Bruins this season, uh, outside of the possibilities of of you know what what's going to happen when McAvoy and Marchand come back, and mm-hmm. and just what the Bruins defense will look like when McAvoy and Lindholm can really play big minutes together um, on a nightly basis. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what that's going to do for Charlie McAvoy, because I think he's been kind of, uh, you know, beat up these last few years, um, just, just kind of bearing a lot of the responsibility at both ends uh, on his own. So um, I, I, I think the big thing that stands out is just the intrigue that's in the bottom six. Um, I'm not a big Trent Frederick guy. I mean, uh, you know, you love the snarl and, and whatnot and the, the attitude, but sometimes like last night he takes stupid penalties and it's really, uh, really can cost the team. So that's, that's, he's not very high on my list, but I love what I've seen out of AJ Greer. Uh, Jacob Loco is a really interesting player. The Bruins have lacked speed, uh, in the last couple of years. They, la- if they, they, they haven't been able like Tampa Bay and other teams have found these, undervalued players that have filled roles in their bottom six and, you know, been meaningful contributors in playoffs and, and whatnot. And Boston just hasn't been able to find that. And you, you've seen a number of guys kind of recycled over the last few years, just Eric Holla. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other people, but you know, guys like that, that, that just came through and, and they hoped that they could maybe be those, those players, but they weren't, yeah. uh, you know, maybe we have that in, in AJ, Greer and, and, and Jacob Loco this season. So that's interesting. And I think that's the, the biggest thing that stands out to me other than their overall play, which has been pretty good. Absolutely. Just want to take a quick break to, to, to read you some of the information on, on, on Vizen. First and foremost, Vizen is a sports betting network, first 24-7 broadcast that were dedicated to exclusively sports betting. Visit Vizen.com slash NHL for the hockey betting news and analysis to help inform your a wagering decisions and as far as the 2022 2023 hockey betting guide is concerned you can check that out now at vizen.com slash subscribe the digital guide features the in-depth preview for all 32 teams across the nhl tips for nhl betters and as well as stab standing cup odds point total projection schedule analysis and more all of that is available if you go to vizen.com slash subscribe and check out Andy McNeil's work there as well, which he does a terrific job of, you know, like on all things NHL, including the Boston Bruins as well. Now, in terms of going back to the Bruins, you said something towards the end of your explanation to the overall view of the team so far in the early going. And the thing that stood out to me was in terms of Trent Frederick. And for those of you that are listening or are watching this podcast know that I have been critical of Trent Frederick at times. Like, he takes bad penalties at the worst spots in games, which, like, last night was another prime example, although, like, they were, he wasn't the only problem, but it, it just seemed as if that he, yeah. he, does, he just allows his emotion to get in the way. Am I crazy, Andy? No, no, I think, I think there's one thing that I – and I don't know what the solution is, and this is just something I've kind of looked at as, as from, from the perspective of a fan. Yeah. Uh, over the last number of years is I think a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but you know, there, there's a good number of players in the NHL and probably all sports that lack like emotional intelligence, being able to, um, that doesn't mean they're stupid. It just means they are, are not able to, you know, kind of deal with their emotions in a, a, a intelligent way. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure we all are at oh, yeah. just certain too. times and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of intensity in the game and not, and I would never be able to even, 
uh, you know, I've played sports and I've been in competitions, but at that level, I'd never be able to even, you know, kind of think about or even imagine what those guys go through on a nightly basis and what the intensity is like out there. But um, just going back to the Ottawa game with Frederick, and, and I don't know, it was a weird, weird penalty, but the puck was nowhere near to Brinkett when he when he took him off his feet. And uh, and if it was near him, it wasn't ever on his stick at any yeah. point. So um, I think it was a dumb just a dumb penalty at a bad time. Like you're down to nothing, like go out there and send the message in a different way. Like you've got to have that to know that like I can affect positive change in the game with my physical presence, but I have to toe that line. And like, you can cross that line sometimes. And like, I mean, I'm not telling, I'm not saying that it, it's good to go out and, you know, injure anybody or be an idiot purposely. But like, you know, when there are certain points in certain games where it's okay to maybe cross the line a little bit and yeah. send a real message to the other team that like you're not gonna be messed with or whatnot. But when you're losing, you're down to nothing, uh, you know, the, the the offense should be your 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 biggest priority, especially when you didn't really show up to play, right? I mean, it would be different if the the game had gotten at hand for another reason because of, you know, maybe Ottawa taking liberties with some players or whatever, right? But um, it wasn't that type of game and the Bruins simply didn't show up. So I was, I thought it was a little bit childish and immature to, to go that route so early in the game when you're, you're facing a deficit already. Absolutely. And in terms of looking at the, the long-term odds, the, the Bruins odds to win the Stanley cup in 2023 or plus 1500. I... Go ahead. Sorry, I was I was gonna say that I would I would sooner bet them, uh, and I don't know how things have changed here. Just let me let me um, sure yeah. look up really quick. Um, Absolutely, I I would sooner bet them. I think, ooh, that hurts. That took a big big uh, that uh, a big big move here. The 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 Boston Bruins did odds to win the Atlantic Division, which I thought was a good bet in the 2022-23. Uh, NHL decent betting guide where I, you know, break down all my projections and, and share my best kind of futures bets. Uh, the Bruins to win the Atlantic division was one that I shared at 11 to one. Uh, now mm. they're four to one to win the Atlantic division. And that's not all that uh, appealing at that number, given that, you know, there's still some pretty good teams that they're going to be fighting against. Uh, and it's early, but no, I was, I was going to say that I would sooner bet the Bruins to win the Atlantic division than the Stanley cup. But, uh, it looks like both their Stanley Cup odds and their uh, odds of winning the division have have really improved over over uh, the last few days. Like, how did the how did the odds go from eleven to one to four to one? Like, what hype, what? man? Hype. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, the hockey market is so fickle, right? I mean, like, mm. I should say the futures betting market is really fickle. I mean, like, something can can really shift things because there's no real way to correct it. It's not like you can go place a bet on the other 31 teams to win the Stanley cup. Right. I mean, yeah. so um, they see the Bruins starting hot. They see the Maple Leafs starting like crap, uh, losing to yeah. Montreal and Arizona. They see <laughs> Florida not looking so hot, losing Ekblad for, for a long, long time. Apparently uh, they see the lightning kind of stumbling out of the gate, you know, losing the, flyers uh, after you know blowing a two nothing lead losing to um uh, the rangers on opening night in in you know pretty uh whatever the opposite of dominant fashion is <laughs> lopsided <laughs> and, you uh, could say <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah exactly right so i mean i think like i think it's early and in a week everything could change the brooms could suck and everybody else could be good it, that's how hockey sometimes i mean injuries whatever 
um, this, this, you know, hot start and the, the kind of mediocre or poor start for a lot of other teams. Uh, I think it has a lot of people probably running the, the best of rooms if they, if they knew they're around 10 to one or, or eight to one. Sometimes these things uh, almost get overcorrected because they're not a reaction getting, but then once a team wins three or four games in a row and people start to say, Oh, look, then there's almost like a rush and an overcorrection correction, I would say. Mm. Uh, and, and maybe that's what we're looking at here. I think four to one is, is a, um, a little bit too, too high. Uh, I mean, they're low odds, but they're a little bit too high. I think it's a, you know, it's going to be a tough division to win, obviously with, with, with those teams I mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I said going into the season that the Atlantic was going to be a challenge. There was nothing that would indicate that, the division was going to be handed to the Bruins just because. And I've talked about it towards the end of last season during the summer, even leading into the season in which that I said, you know, the Rangers are going to be a problem. And of, and of yeah. course, there, there were a couple of Bruin fans that were like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Rangers, like, you're not paying attention. Did that Ranger team in New York got even better, with, even with the signing of Vincent Trocek. And I've had the chance to watch all of the games so far this season. And what has impressed me more than anything it's a couple of things. Number one, I don't think there's any reason to debate as to who's the best goaltender in the world right now is. At one point, it was Andrew, Andrew Vasilevsky. I still think he's top two. But for me, it's a clear number one, Igor Shesterkin. That's, that's first and foremost. And then number two, you talk about the speed element, not just from the forwards, but from the defensemen as well on that team. And you compare that with the Bruins – it's scary how it's almost night and day because the Bruins are not looked at as a team that relies on speed to generate offense. So I'll ask you in terms of, in terms of the competition within the, within the Atlanta division, what is one team for you that you would be the most concerned about? Although the season is very young, no one's running away from the division through four games, but who was the one team in the division that concerns you and why? Um, I mean, I, I think the, like, I think the, the teams are all fairly close, to be honest. Like, I think I foolishly, I guess, had Toronto projected to win the division. Um, they're just a really great team, top to bottom. And then you get to the goaltending and, and, it, and, it, and it really uh, scares you. But yeah. I know that the, the, you know, the perceived character issues of the team, I guess, whatever you want to call them, um, the softness of the team, whatever. Uh, remains they've been a, a really good regular season team so that 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 holds weight when you're making predictions on you know who's going to be the best team in the regular season uh, because they they have been one of the best regular season team and it doesn't really matter that they haven't won a playoff round when you're talking about who's going to be the best team in the regular season so yeah Toronto is a, a team that that still worries me a bit but um you know I, I think I think what has happened here early you're kind of seeing Worst case scenario with Matt Murray going down to injury. Now they're relying on Ilya Samsonov and Eric Schalgren, uh, the third string uh, goaltender for uh, I don't know how long. Um, not that Murray is going to be the savior of that team for sure. But, um, you know, I, I mean, and you've always got to worry about the, the Florida Panthers. They were the best offensive team in 26 seasons. Toronto was the second best. Um, but, uh, but Florida was the best offensive team in 26 seasons last year. They lost a lot with with Huberto and Uyghur leaving and um, uh, also Mason, uh, Mason um, Marchman, sorry, uh, out, out as well. He's in Dallas now. Um, had a big, a couple of big games, I believe. 
Um, so, you know, they're not as deep now and their goaltending is concerning, but there's just a lot of, a lot of teams in that, that, that division that can run and gun. I'm not worried about the senators yet. I'm really not. I think, I think they're, they're going to miss the play. They're going to make the playoffs, maybe one out of every five times, maybe a little bit higher. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out over the next few weeks, what just how real of a, of a team they are, but, um, and Buffalo that, you know, Buffalo, a good friend of mine, Michael Lieboff, made this point on a on a actually an NHL.com podcast recently, and he, he talked about how he thought Buffalo could be that maybe that fill that void as like the scrappy underdog team, not necessarily one that makes the playoffs, but you know the team that comes up nowhere has some young talent, wins some games that they're not supposed to, uh, and maybe is a intriguing best because of that. Like last night, they were uh, you know I, I believe around a two to one underdog against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, and, and they won that game. So, um, you know, there's, there's, it's a tougher division. I think I would say I'm worried about the entire division more as a whole this season than I am, uh, than I have been in, in the past couple of seasons. I think, and I think it's legitimately very fair when you talk about just the talent level from, from like the three or four other teams, like the Panthers, the Lightning, the Rangers. And, and I mean, I, I would even say, <laughs> I mean, the Flyers, although it's early, it's very early, but the Flyers was kind of showing me a little bit of something in terms of does the head coach make that big of a difference in terms of a cultural change? I mean, let's face it, John Tortorella is a he's a lightning rod for God's sakes. And we all know what his pedigree is, what he was able to accomplish throughout his coaching <laughs> career. But this is someone that the Flyers hired during during the summer and said, we need someone that's going to shake up things in the locker room. And just a few days ago, and I would love your thoughts on this, you, you heard a quote of him say, basically saying that. They don't have anything good. <laughs> there, there you go. T- take it over, Andy. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. It was just so funny, though. It was just, uh, he is such, like, thank you, Philadelphia Flyers, for hiring John Tortorella. Like, I know they, they keep saying that coaches have to stop being recycled and whatnot you know we need some new blood in the game and younger younger and i believe that as well but mm-hmm. uh like let's keep recycling john tortorella for at least a little bit a little while longer because he is he is pretty entertaining like um when he when he said when, when he was asked by a, a reporter uh have you found anything about this team any good qualities anything you can build on and he like without hesitation no <laughs> right and that was before the season started you know, start. Um, you know, I mean, give credit where credit is due. They've they've won hockey games. Not only have they won three hockey games, but they've they've overcome multi goal deficits in the last two to win uh, against you know teams that a lot of people thought were were going to be pretty good. I guess Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, Tampa Bay, obviously. Um, but I, I don't think like the the Flyers are playing very simple hockey. They've got some injuries. We don't know how long Sean Couturier is going to be out. I think is maybe a little bit more positive now. I'm not really sure. Um, like, uh, I guess I, I really worry myself too much until it sounds like a guy is going to come back into the lineup. Obviously, from the, the perspective of a long-term forecast, it helps to have that a little better of an idea. But uh, right now, it's kind of the day-to-day predictions, right? So um, everything depends on how long Sean Couturier is out. Cam Atkinson's hurt uh, right now. Oh, and Tippett uh, has missed a couple of games, I believe. So the big reason why the Flyers sucked so bad last year, uh, finished with 60 points, but 
five of their top forwards, five of their six top forwards combined to miss 130 man games. Oh yeah. Uh, they were, you know, always a, a re- like mediocre team. I think you could say over the last number of years, but they've never been terrible. And uh, I thought they would be better this season, but with Couturier out, um, you know, for an unknown period of time, I, I don't think the Flyers can get very far without him. Uh, they've got a couple of intriguing players, but it's like a, a simple approach. Right. And, once they start playing some of the, some of the, the, you know, tougher teams in the league, maybe once the season gets underway a little bit, I, I think, I don't think the Flyers are going to last as a team that can, you know, win hockey games at a, a any kind of exceedingly high rate. Right. <laughs> oh, no way. I mean, considering the, the divisional matchups, but then even if you look at the West, I mean, just the, I mean, obviously like the East and West, like, like they, 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 they match up like during the regular season, but just the overall, competitive balance it's going to be very difficult for me to envision that team being able to to keep up on that type of uh, win pace now i want to talk about to the bruins because i had this thought come to me in which there are two surprises so far with the boston bruins that i do think it's is worth talking about and i know bruin fans would love to hear your thoughts on this aj greer and jake debrus those two guys have been one of the major surprises in like in this season so far, some would even say that Jake DeBrus has returned back to his rookie season in 2017-18. And but what you're seeing now is you're seeing that effort on a nightly basis consistently. You're not asking him to be scorching hot offensively, but you're asking him not to mentally check out. And as well as AJ Greer, um, in which that we we know what he brings offensively. We saw um that we got a bit of a preview of that in the preseason. But now he's brought that over into the regular season. What are your thoughts on on Jake DeBrusque and AJ Greer's um, contributions to the Bruins so far, and how has it impacted them in terms of their overall success offensively? Um, well, you know, Jake DeBrusque, he was a scorer in in junior in the WHL. He was a, a guy that put up a lot of goals uh, late in his, his junior career, and obviously the WHL isn't the the NHL, and that doesn't always always translate, but I think the Bruins thought he was going to be a top line player when they drafted him. And it really looked like he was going to be a, you know, a third line player at best, but um, whatever happened last season, whatever, whatever was you know, clouding his, uh, I guess, ability to, to play at the level that he's played at um, over the lot, you know, the latter part of last season and the beginning of this season. Um, I, I don't care. Like he's, he's been great since he's figured it out. Um, I don't know if it was an issue with, with Cassidy. I've heard that, but I don't Same. necessarily, I don't necessarily know that I believe that because he was good. Like he was good last season too. So if it was an issue with Cassidy, why did he break out at the end of last season? Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think like uh, DeBrusque is a, a player that can, you know, the, the book's not out on him yet. Like, I don't think anybody can like breathe a sigh of relief. Like, Oh, he's made it. He's, He's this un, unreal top line player now. He's not there yet, but he's uh, he's definitely uh, improved his trajectory, which was kind of looking pretty flat there the last uh, year or two. Um, but AJ Greer, a really intriguing player. Um, I don't know much about him, and I didn't until I was you know reading some some stuff over the summer. I read one article from a local Edmonton uh, writer that uh, did. You know, Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide, he hosts a radio show here in the city, but um, he's, a, he's an old school Bruins fan, too. So uh, he, uh, he he wrote an article, basically something like the 
the top 10 bargain signings for the Oilers this season or that the Oilers could consider this season. And midway through that list, or maybe around number seven or something like that, he had AJ Greer. And I had seen the name. I'd heard a little bit about the player before, but I never really thought too much of it. Um, so I said, oh, you know, I kind of had that mental note of that. And then it was only a few weeks later that Boston signed him. So then when Boston signed him, I started to look into it. And, you know, I saw that he had never really had any kind of breakthrough at the NHL level, never really got much of a chance, but just didn't work out in New Jersey and Colorado. But he was putting up good numbers in the American League. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he looks to have that sort of diamond in the rough potential, but he's not really a diamond in the rough. He was drafted pretty high uh, and, and he's only 25 years old. So, um, you know, for whatever reason, he never was able to to make it in the NHL yet. And it looks like he's he's already crushed his career best I believe in goals so uh or doubled it anyway so um pretty excited like I said about about him fitting into the bottom six and potentially uh you know hopefully we the Bruins don't have any injuries this season after the Marshawn to McAvoy that's probably wishful thinking but hopefully they remain healthy and and he never has to go up into the lineup he can just continue to be a solid presence on that third and fourth line right oh absolutely I don't even think it's wishful thinking because the Bruins have had some not so fortunate luck in terms of the injury front over the last uh, couple of years. And I, I hope that after we get through this, this period of, as, as we've talked about um, to near exhaustion in terms of McAvoy and Martian coming back from their respective um, injuries that we don't have another major injury to worry about. to any of our the key players on the team. Now with just a couple of minutes left, there's one last question I'll, I'll ask you in terms of, in terms of um, Jim Montgomery, the head coach, one of the things I've picked up so far is that it just seems like the the locker room is really energized. It's like they have that, that look where you can they finally have breathed a, a heavy sigh of relief, if you will. And not saying that it's a knock against Cassidy, but we've seen this time and time again in the NHL when a when a when a head coach is there for such a long period of time that the message begins to wear thin. And do you think that the that the, the the arrival of Jim Montgomery has also been a contributing factor to the Bruins' solid start to the season so far, or or do you think that that after everything that went that that went on towards the end of last season, in terms of just just like the overall um, picture surrounding um, Bruce Cassidy and the go back and forth between him and the players, that there's finally a new voice and that Bruin and that the Bruin players are rejuvenated to have a new voice in the room you know i i like Bruce cassidy as a coach i think he did uh i think he did a bang up job especially early on when he came aboard like the bruins were kind of Bob julian was a great coach too and but the bruins were kind of in a lull in in the last uh couple of years there where they weren't really you know they were really stuck in that kind of defensive game style and and it just you know was they weren't producing as much as they probably could have been offensively and then Cassidy came on and and really kind of changed the way they played uh turned their power play into into you know something that was really really deadly for a while there oh yeah um and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that but I think in a way he kind of like capped himself off or capped the team off in in ways like he was he was reluctant to different things you know you find something well oh okay we can score roughly three goals a game that's good enough I'll just we'll, we'll just stick with this we will never try to score three and a half per se right like you know what I mean like there there was there was no 
connection with, with the Bruins game. It's just they got into it and they were becoming really predictable and, and whatnot. So I think that was – I think that probably played into it. I know when I watched them last season, uh, a lot of the time, you know, whether it was their, their uh, rush attempts up the ice, their breakouts, um, you know, their, 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 uh, the, the way they defended, the way they – the way they position themselves in the offensive zone. I just found a lot of it was, was predictable and with so much talent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.